When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Merry Christmas and welcome to the main event, Mark's podcast. It's another bonus show for the month of December. We're dropping on Christmas, so Merry Christmas, y'all. Filthy animal. I'm your first host of the podcast, Troy, and with me, as always, is the main event collector. He is the Paul Diamond, and my Pat Tanaka. He is my bad company, Greg. What's up, Greg? <laughs> What's up? Wow. I got the Paul Diamond mm. and Pat Tanaka reference in there this week, man. Man. That's Not a sure random ass. It's a random ass team, too, by the way. <laughs> and they're on the show, so it counts. I tried to keep... uh, I just, It's just like the duo was random as hell. But... Uh, I know. Was... And they stuck together for a while, too. Like, they thought they were going to be a perennial, you know, like, 
oh, well, everybody will think of Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka together, like Hawk and Animal. Well, to be fair, people probably did, but not for the reason they wanted them to. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is uh, December 25th, and I hope all of you, if, you, you know, because Christmas, I don't know about around your house, Greg, but it always went like, we'd get up in the morning, we'd get our coffee, gather around the tree, we'd open up our gifts, and then we're like, all right, cool, thanks, bye, and then we go hide in our rooms until dinner <laughs> with our new gifts. I do that now. <laughs> yeah, right. So... If, if you're all hiding in your rooms with your new gifts and whatnot, I hope you got us on in the background checking out Super Clash 3 that we are bringing you today. Or, or they, might be listening, they might be listening to us while they're in line at Walmart returning their gifts, too. You know, let's... Uh, that is, well, no, I, I, I think Walmart's shut down this year for Christmas, isn't it? No, the next day. Uh, oh, well, because that makes sense. Wait, what? Uh, look, you, you know, December 25th, Christmas, y'all got to come in and work a full shift, all right? But the next day, you know, is that that Boxing Day, that's whatever. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but if I want to return a gift I got for Christmas, usually I go the next day. I don't go on Christmas. No, they're I, never open on Christmas, at least not here. Yeah, I that's stupid. But anyway... The only thing uh, open on Christmas here is 7-Eleven, no joke. <laughs> well... I'm going to leave that joke alone. But yeah, so uh, we, we are bringing you the bonus show today. And I will say I have seen this. I thought it was the main event, but it was not. I've seen the world title match multiple times. So that was a rewatch for me. But I've never seen this card outside of that match. What did you think of this overall? I thought it was a flashback. <laughs> that's, that's like the highest uh, praise you can give it right now, right? <laughs> I'm just going to say it like this. I see why it was one of the last shows they've ever done. Uh, right. They actually did a Super Clash 4 uh, for everybody out there, but yeah, I don't know anything about it. If I remember it. correctly, I think someone says that was a phenomenal wreck. So, Yeah, because this was you know a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it uh, in the Cow Palace? This one or, or the fourth No, the, one? the last one. Oh, gosh, you're going to make me Wikipedia things, I, aren't you? I think the last one was in the Cow Palace, if I remember correctly. Well, now i got to look it up, because uh, I don't know. I know that Super Clash, you and I were talking about this off-air before, but it just, I don't know, it's like, what could possibly go wrong with this one? You've got talent from multiple companies, multiple territories, all coming uh, in for the I Super Show kinda, to face each other. Just, I think you can just answer your own question. <laughs> yeah. You bring them all in under, you know, and multiple owners of multiple territories and then all these egos. And it's like, oh, how are we going to end these matches? Oh, well, nobody can win clean because, you know, that that might kill somebody's credibility. Damn it. It, it was just effing stupid. Super Clash 4, by the way, took place in 1990 at the St. Paul Civic Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. One Which, of them was in the Cow Palace. Yeah, I mean, that one makes sense. Uh, the main event of that one, speaking of Paul Diamond, was The Trooper, which was uh, the Patriot Del Wilkes, and Paul Diamond defeating the Destruction he was, Crew. He was doing stuff in that year? Patriot? Yeah. Yep, 1990. He was, I honestly uh, thought he was born in WCW. Okay. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was around in the territory days, like the dying territories, I guess. 
But yeah, I mean, the, the, the main event of that one, like I said, it, they took on the Destruction Crew, which was Mike Enos and uh, Wayne Bloom, who were on this show, but one of them was a referee, and the other one, uh, well, we'll get to him. He wasn't even it's trained up Beverly by that Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at all of this. I mean, when you put Baron Von Rasky in a, a match in the year 1990 against Colonel De Beers, man, that one. <laughs> Whew. You know you're pulling in some good stuff. And again, the main event was not the title match. It was Larry Zabisco defeating Mr. Saito. They tore the house down, man. Yeah. I mean, they, they only drew 2,000 fans. So they draw a dime. <laughs> well, not for what they paid for it. I'm, I'm almost positive. They still but outdrew yeah. that UWF show we did, though, I think, right? Oh, uh, yeah, they got 600. So <laughs> they outdrew it. If anybody goes back, UWF Blackjack Brawl. Aye, that one was uh, something. But this one, we're going to get into all the goodness that was Super Clash 3. But we're going to get into the news and notes first, right after this short break. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. <laughs> The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. Okay, it's time for the news and notes. The I was actually looking to dive into a lot of this with you, man. Some of this was big stuff. Some of it was depressing. I don't know. A lot of stuff happened around this time of year. So, or this, this time in wrestling history. This first one is something that'll, you know, tick off a lot of people. But it's uh, the trial of Jose Gonzalez begins in two weeks. And it's expected that he'll plead guilty to something and serve a lightly uh, or a lengthy probation, but no jail time. Well, the last part about no jail time was right. For those unaware, Jose Gonzalez was the man who allegedly murdered Bruiser Brody in Puerto Rico. <laughs> basically got away with it. Uh, no, basically to it. He flat out, they cheered when he got nothing at the end of the trial. Carlos Colon and Jose Gonzalez went on this PR campaign to make him the biggest baby face next to Carlos in, on the entire island in wrestling and wrestling his life in Puerto Rico. So when he was found not guilty and got off scot-free at the end of the trial, people cheered and had like a parade for him in the streets. It's pathetic. Did Bruce already like offend that country or something? They wanted him dead. He was a big heel. Jose was a big baby face and like, <clears throat> Like I said, uh, wrestling is life in Puerto Rico. So, you know, they took that stuff seriously. They thought Bruiser Brody was 
like the character he portrayed and they thought Jose was, you know, like the, you know, Mr. Puerto Rico. He's, he's our, our saving grace. So like if Okada was a murder, Jay White, do you think Japan would cheer Okada getting off? Well, no, because in the year 2020, people are, you know, smarter. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just trying to pick like the most hated guy and the most loved guy in a place. Right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> It's just uh, even in, even at this day and age, this shouldn't have been a thing. This is like if you're looking at like in the WWF, let's say Hulk Hogan stabbed uh, uh, Ted DiBiase in the back. Like people wouldn't be like, yeah, Mr. Red, White and Blue. Like, I bet he came at you and tried to attack you. Huh? It was self-defense. <laughs> like, dude, he stabbed me. Even, even so, having a parade for self-defense killing. <laughs> Yeah, I this this whole situation, it goes back to the, the Dark Side of the Ring episode from season one. We haven't talked about Dark Side of the Ring in a while, but it, you know, it's a great show. That episode is very heartbreaking. I mean, all of them kind of are. But that one, man, just sucked. His wife and his little kid had to fly to Puerto Rico to retrieve his body. And Abdullah the Butcher, like, they didn't even know why they were flying in. They knew something was wrong. And Abdullah the Butcher was hightailing it out of Puerto Rico, manages to, to get seen by them at the airport, and he breaks the news to him. Oh, he's dead. i got to catch my flight. See ya. Something yeah. tells me he wasn't running, though. Okay, he was waddling away from the country <laughs> at a brisk pace. <sighs> but anyway, uh, Dusty Rhodes was officially asked to leave as the booker of the NWA by TBS and handed in his resignation. Uh, Jim Crockett was also bounced and to the shock of no one, and will be purged from his own promotion as of January 1st. The new guy in charge, here you go, will be Jim Hurd, who is currently a Pizza Hut executive. He will carry the title of Executive Vice President of Wrestling Operations. <laughs> because that's a hell of a title. Why wouldn't you go with him, though? Well, yeah, well, I, whoa, you can run a pizza chain? I, by God, you should be Booker. <laughs> Do you fans want pepperoni with that match? People said the only defense I was reading. They said the only defense of this anybody could possibly come up with besides the fact that him, I, th I think he was buddy, buddy with uh, Ted Turner was he worked under Vince McMahon senior for a while, but not in any like booking capacity. He was just kind of like there. So it's like, okay, maybe financially he was good, I guess. I mean, Apparently not. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, in, in Pizza Hut or something. Yeah. The actual incident that sealed Dusty's fate, by the way, was bleeding like a stuck pig all over TV during the Road Warriors spike in the eye attack. Just two weeks before that, Jim Cornette had done his bloody angle with Paulie Dangerously, and TBS sent down a directive telling Rhodes not to book any more blood on TV. The Dusty Spike angle actually resulted in 350 angry calls to TBS during the show, and uh, this was the most since the Black Saturday incident. Ah, oh, yeah. Lots to unpack there. Yeah. First of all, the, the ending Black Saturday, for those of you who don't know, was Vince McMahon was on Georgia Championship Wrestling. Like, what, what was it? Did he buy airtime or what? Yeah, the hell he bought airtime on their, on their program. Yes. Okay. So it was Vince McMahon in front of a Georgia Championship Wrestling backdrop during the Georgia Championship Wrestling time slot. And he aired footage of the WWF from New York. And people were like, 
the hell is this? Where's my wrestling? <laughs> I don't we want some... entertainment that week, pal. Yeah. I don't want some big old Italian hairy dude beating up on these little fellers. <laughs> what the I'm hell? Going with, I'm going with Bruno San Martino. I don't remember what year it was where Black Saturday was, but that I'm going with San Martino. I don't know. But that was Black Saturday. The spike in the eye thing was obviously what Chris Jericho and uh, John Moxley paid homage to in AW or AEW. And the blood angle with uh, Cornette and Polly dangerously was Cornette was cutting a promo in the back. Polly bashed him upside the face with his giant brick of a cell phone. And Cornette said his instructions from Dusty Rhodes, he, was, he said, uh, get a little color during this, kid. And he said it was really cold in the studio. And apparently when it's really cold, it's harder to bleed. So he said he cut himself and like pretty decently. And he said, uh, but since it was so cold, he wasn't bleeding and he kind of panicked. He was like, oh, crap, it's not it's not coming. So he whacked himself like three more times. So by the end of this, he was like he damn near needed a transfusion. <laughs> and he Get said, after, pot, well, he said after this, he he walks by Dusty and he's like, damn, kid, I said, get a little color. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, when you get a when you get a directive from the the owner of the entire corporation, you know, quit bleeding on TV. The smart thing to do is always, you know what? I'm going to bleed all over the damn place on television. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm hell, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I'm Dusty Rhodes, damn it. F you. That's just the dumb. And Jimmy Crockett was gone. So this is just a whole mess. Because, you know, when you want to replace Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes, Greg, you always go with the guy from Pizza Hut. That's what I would have did. Why do you say that sarcastically? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm more of a little Caesars guy, though. I would have picked them, but, you know. I just had Domino's last night, but, you know, that's <laughs> beside the point. Uh, although Vince McMahon is claiming a 4.2% buy rate for Survivor Series, the real number appears to be closer to 2.1%. Uncle Dave Meltzer also says that he thinks four pay-per-views a year is oversaturating the market, and they'd be better off with just two. <laughs> and where are we at now? <laughs> well, Buckle the hell up, man. <laughs> this was about to uh, get blown way out of the water. I know he, his precious AEW only does a couple, but I really believe it's like they just, they can't get more than that on traditional pay-per-view right now. I believe they would do one a month. Yeah. I mean, I watch traditional pay-per-view anymore. That's the problem. I like having the, you know, they'll have the specials like they had winter is coming. They had bash the beach and stuff like that. I mean, that stuff is cool. I like the, you know, the quarterly pay-per-views that they do. It's different, and it's uh, it feels more special. Well, keep putting on pay-per-views the way they have, they don't even have those anymore, but I don't want to get into that. Yeah, I know. The last couple haven't been great. But regardless, getting into some news about this event here, Super Clash 3 is being held in Chicago with Kerry Von Erich competing in the main event. However, it turns out that Illinois had an obscure athletic commission rule that stated that no one with an artificial limb could compete in the state. Cue Vince McMahon calling the State Athletic Commission to report a wrestler with an artificial foot. Because, you know, you gotta... You gotta you would owe him about a year. <laughs> you gotta shoot your competition in the artificial foot. So, <laughs> you like that one? You like what I did there? Anyway. Uh, I, so, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to... <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to touch it either. That's kind of... Shut weak, up! But, 
So the commission, who are not idiots, scheduled a hearing for uh, December 14th, the day after Super Clash. <laughs> this led Vince to go to court and force him to move the hearing up to the 9th instead. However, Kerry was on tour in Japan at that point, so the commission rules that, one, wrestling is fake, so the rule doesn't apply. Two, even if it was a legitimate athletic competition, they can grant an exception, and they would in this case anyway. Man, I just love how, like, there was absolutely no way the show was going to be a big success or that it was even going to compete with Vince or anything like that, and Vince knew it, but he still goes to the Athletic Commission and tries to cut their legs out from underneath them. Like, what the hell, man? Was that a pun? Ah, yeah, I know. Legs, feet, blah, ha, ha. <laughs> <sighs> this was just like, what, what was the purpose of all this? What's causing all this? I don't know. Uh, Maybe he was mad. He was carried inside earlier. Who knows? Yeah. Like well. I said, he would have him in less than a year. Yeah. Well, world class and the AWA, meanwhile, are still denying this whole artificial foot thing is even an issue or even exists. <laughs> they say it's fake. Oh, no, that's his real foot. There's an old Texas legend that says that Kerry uh, could have saved his foot. But while he was laid up in the hospital, he was super high. And he, <laughs> sorry, and he smelled food across the hallway and he went to walk on his foot, forgetting that it was messed up and oh, he, good Lord. and he messed it up more leading to it being amputated. I was today's years old when I learned that. <laughs> okay. Keep in mind, this is a Texas legend, urban legend, whatever. I don't believe it. Like nobody ever has actually reported this, but I've heard it from. Uh, somebody who lived in Texas. So I, I just, I tend to call it BS, but it, I mean, the fact that we're sitting here saying, well, it might be true. is pretty sad considering Carrie's track record. I feel bad. You're remotely laughing at this. Uh, I mean, I am, but yeah, I don't know. I wish he would have pulled the nose up before the end, but uh, I mean, we all kind of know what happened again. Another, how many dark side of the ring stories is in this, news we're covering i'll go you one better there's just too much dark stuff in wrestling period <laughs> that too uh to give you an idea of where the awa sits right now they haven't run a tv taping since september 19th in order to save money and espn has just been cutting together shows from previous episodes and airing them in death slots in the afternoons <laughs> espn espn actually hasn't even aired an episode in two weeks before this pay-per-view AWA also doesn't even talk about the pay-per-view on their shows that they even put on. Well, of course they don't, because they're all spiced together. Yeah. Oh, well, when they run a show, they don't even mention this. By the to way... Fair, uh, they they were in such peril, they probably didn't know it was going to even happen. Yeah. That's just... They're a mess. And you wonder why they went out of business. Everybody blames Vince, which is the obvious easy target. And yeah, he had a lot to do with it. But at some point, you got to look at Vern and say, dude the hell were you doing and uh, yeah according to go off this pay-per-view i don't i don't right. i don't know a lot of their history but going off this pay-per-view man they always sucked well according to bruce pritchard he said that you know vince didn't want to kill the awa per se he originally he said he he did after a while but at first he actually went to Vern and said we you know i want to work with you you know, uh, join join me and we will rule the world, basically. 
and he wanted it's AWA. Galaxy, but whatever. Yeah. Well, he wanted he wanted AWA and Vern to join him and kind of. I assume he wanted them to almost be like a farm league for the WWF. Were they already? Yeah, they they unknowingly were. Yeah, uh, but yeah, according to uh, Bruce, you know, after Vince Vince made him that offer, uh, Vern told him, "F you, we're going to put you out of business." And Vince was like, "All right, well, it's war." No, it wasn't war. War is where both sides have a chance. Uh, okay, it was. It, I, I don't know what do you, what do you call that? A, a oh, one sided ass whooping. A military exercise. <laughs> but anyway, that does it for the news and notes. You ready to get into Super Clash? I think. <laughs> That's never a good sign when you we're start gonna, off saying it that way. We're going to keep a mullet count on this one, too, man. <laughs> I'll leave that one up to you. Because <laughs> you're always a mullet watcher on this show. Every once in a while, I'll see one and I'll just be like, oh, that, that mullet, man, I got to make a note of that one. Because just like, Mwah, chef's kiss, and tight. <laughs> it's like you got all this party going on in the back and so much business in the front. It's it's just undeniable. Holy crap. <laughs> Look, I can't hear you over all this party in the back. All right. But we're too, close take... the, too close to the ears. What? <laughs> right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're getting into Super Clash 3. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. Okay, it's AWA Super Clash 3. We're actually talking about it now. The date was December 13th, 1988. At the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois, the attendance was 1,672 for a buy rate of 0.5. Ew. (laughs) They couldn't even draw 2,000 people to the UIC Pavilion. Where the hell is the UIC Pavilion? Chicago. No, where? Like, what is it? Uh, Like, how big is it? No, like, is it famous? I just I I mean yeah it's it's like it's it's an older arena it's it's now the Credit Union One Arena so, Who plays there? Oh gosh, you're asking me too many damn questions. Uh okay, first of all the capacity for boxing and wrestling was 9500. So to steal a uh, a, a quote from uh Jim Cornette, it looked like a piss hole in a snowbank. Wow. 
This was the home, by the way, of Starcade 87, Chi Town Rumble, and Halloween Havoc 90. So okay. uh, the the University of Illinois at Chicago owns it. So uh, that explains UIC Pavilion. Uh, I, I mean, the big bands have played there, like Prince played there in his 99 tour, Black Sabbath, Bon Jovi, Grateful Dead, Madonna, Metallica. So, I mean, it, it was a bigger arena for that kind of stuff. Uh, it was never one that WWE went to. So I, I don't know what that's really saying. Recently, I will say in the past 10 years, really nothing of note has went there. We should have went and visited this. Yeah. Now, now I'm out. We didn't. <laughs> I mean, they, they've had a few uh, smaller bands and uh, gymnastics and, and uh, political events and stuff like that. And the and the WNBA played there. So that should tell you oh, okay. how many Move people on. I don't care now. Sorry. Yeah. That, that should tell you how many people they can fit in that building if the WNBA played there. <sighs> We're going to get some heat for that one. Uh, we're going to get a letter. Look, I don't right. care that they're women. It's just boring. I don't give a damn what gender anyone is. It's boring. Let me know when somebody dunks. All right. <laughs> but this show is a combined effort of the American Wrestling Association, AWA, the World Class Wrestling Association, WCWA, or World Class uh, Championship Wrestling, whatever. They kept going back and forth with the names on this one. Like, they couldn't figure out what they were called. Uh, and... Let's see. Powerful Women of Wrestling, which was POW. <laughs> I thought that was made up, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, so they took the P.O. from Powerful and then W.E.W. So they could make it POW. All right. So this was like glow, but well, I it's not even worse. It's like on par. It's just it's like glow. It sucked. And Championship Wrestling Association, CWA, which was the Memphis Territory. Memphis, uh, Tennessee. The only match that wasn't oh, Andy like Coffin, sorry. <laughs> the only match that wasn't like interpromotional, I think, it was the uh, that women's battle royal thing. That God, we got to get to that one. Unfortunately, God the, dang it! But the opening match of the I night tea, was <laughs> the opening match of the night was the Rock and Roll RPMs, which was Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. And Cactus Jack taking on the Guerrero brothers, Hector, Armando, and Chavo in a six-man tag match. This went for about six and a half minutes. Ray, <laughs> Ray the Crippler Stevens is on commentary for this show. Uh, and, uh... Yeah, look, he's, I was, he's doing some commentary. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I was texting you about this. It's like, from everything... I, I haven't seen any of his stuff. From, but from everything I heard, he was an amazing wrestler. A lot of people drew inspiration from him. God, he sucked on commentary. Who, who made this call? Uh, Lee Marshall. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame this on Vern. I like most of the show. I'm blaming it on Vern. Well, I mean that's the obvious choice, but yeah. Uh, Mike Enos is a referee, by the way. He's a referee in a lot of this, and I was like, why is that jock with a mullet I... refereeing? <laughs> Quite a few mullets, by the way, in this match. I think we're up to four. Um, <laughs> I never knew he was a referee, by the way. When I watched this event, I'm like, wow. I always yeah. knew he was a wrestler. Well, apparently they just... He was the guy there. in the ring when Scott Hall debuted in WCW, by the way. It was fun. Nice. Time. Yeah, and, what, and he was also... <laughs> and he, well, he was half of the uh, Beverly Brothers, wasn't he? Yes. He was, yeah. So. With uh, Bloom, who's on here, by the way. 
So yeah. Yeah, both both those guys were in training. So I I was wrong. It was two years between this and the next super clash. So they no, had two I think years it's a of year training. and a half. I think this was December and the next one's in April, if I remember correctly. No, you're you are correct. Yeah, that's right. So year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Say that so, again, please. In in the right way. That is correct. There it is. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, everyone gets knocked out of the ring except for Chavo and Lane. Chavo hits a moonsault on the standing lane and gets a pinfall win. Uncle Dave said that, said that the work was awesome from the Guerreros, but the camera missed all of the high spots, including the finish, and the match was just average overall. He gave it two and a half. I gave it one and a half. What say you? I gave it one. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, look, this match didn't completely suck. It just wasn't yes, good. Yes, it did. I liked the Guerreros. I thought the Guerrero, like, if they matched the Guerreros up with a better team, then... It would have been better. I may get some crap for this, but I never looked at all the girls as amazing as everyone else does. I thought Eddie was amazing. Chavo was pretty good. The rest were whatever. Hector Sorry. was Hector was actually pretty good. Um, Mondo. Yeah, man, he I, did a he did a mean gobbledygooker. I'll tell you that. Oh, for God's sake! But no, Hector Hector was was pretty decent. Mondo. I've yet to see anything remarkable out of Mondo throughout his entire career. He was just another one of the Guerreros. But yeah, the other two were good. Chavo was the worker of the three. Hector, I think, was, you know, behind him. And then Mondo was Mondo. Mondo was the guy that looked like Gory. So I'll give him that. Uh, Larry Nelson is backstage with Nina, who is a future Ivory. And she is the POW champion. Otherwise, real quick, that woman has never aged. Right? (laughs) I know. She just, I mean, just recently, she looks like she's been getting some age on her, and that's about it. But anyway, Nelson asked Nina about the upcoming lingerie battle royal because, you know, got to pander to the f- creeps. Nina says. Yeah, you thought, that, Vince, was a, you thought uh, Vince McMahon was a creep, huh? There you go. Yeah, right. Uh, Who started? Well, <laughs> yeah, in 1989, Vince was probably looking at this going, my God, the smut. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, it was Elizabeth, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably like, who would put such a disgusting display on pay-per-view? My God. Uh, flash forward, you know, like 10 years, and it's like, boobies! Uh, Nina says that the $10,000 reward for winning the Battle Royal will give her some extra money for some Christmas shopping. Yeah, I mean, that's... Why isn't your Christmas shopping done by this point? <laughs> well, and that's a hell of a shopping spree there on ten grand, man. Especially uh, back then. I know, right? Like, pay off some of your mortgage, like, or get a new house with that. That's a hell of a down payment. Up next, we get Jeff Jarrett defending the WCCW light heavyweight title against the flamboyant Eric Embry. And, man, when you got to put flamboyant as your nickname, you know we're in for some good stuff. <laughs> I yeah. looked at him I'm like, what's so flamboyant about this guy? I know. Like there was a guy. A- I know if you were to to say, hey, one of these guys in this match, his nickname is flamboyant. I would have went with Jarrett, who wasn't overly flamboyant at that time either. But But he had the long uh, blonde hair going, too. So he was man pretty at this time. Am I wrong? No. Yeah. So but anyway, this also I got to point out, by the way, I I realized during this match that Gary Michael Capetta was the um, announcer, which I never knew he was in uh, AWA. Well, Guess it's a collaborative effort, but still, yeah, he's, he's not I, in WCW. So, yeah, I thought weird. he was. In, I thought he was in NWA by this point. I, I guess thought I so was, too. 
Yeah, maybe he switched back and forth. They probably loaned him out for this event. That's the only thing I can think. Oh, uh, yeah, Lee, maybe he just wasn't ever an employee anywhere. Yeah, because I think Lee Marshall was working for WCW at this point, too, wasn't he? That, I don't know. I know he's there during Nitro and Thunder, because he does Thunder, but... What do you think of this event, Tony? It was great! I don't think anyone would say that, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it sucked! Whole thing sucked! Had to, had to get it in, man. <laughs> But anyway, this, uh, I, as you can tell, we're stalling because we don't want to cover this damn match. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but we must. It went on for four minutes, 13 seconds. So, you know, because a That's lot of quality four stuff. Four minutes and 12 seconds too long. But Yeah, a lot of quality stuff happens in, you know, just over four minutes. <laughs> I mean, uh, at least that's what my wife tells me. But, Good you know, Lord. <laughs> had to get it in. Uh, giggity. Uh, well, that's another thing. Anyways, I said this is probably one of the biggest reactions Jeff Jarrett has ever gotten in his entire career. His little Tennessee heart. <laughs> By the way, real quick, um, were there no entrances on this? Um, a couple people had entrances, and that was it. But no, most people it was just like, let's go back to the ring, and there they were. To finish the match, Embry reversed a sunset flip from Jarrett into a jackknife cover for the win. Uncle Dave feels that Jarrett was, quote, too pretty for this crowd. They ended up turning on him at one point, started booing him after a while. So I, that just seems like the Jeff Jarrett thing, like the worm turns mid-match for him always. <laughs> the worm. <laughs> what the hell the worm turns? I, I just like, they. St every time you start off a match cheering Jeff Jarrett, by the end of that match, you will end up booing. Just every oh, time. Oh, that's right. I hate this son of a bitch. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. He sucks. <laughs> Uncle Dave, I don't know what the hell Uncle Dave was watching. He gave it two and a half stars. I gave it one. I was bordering on giving it a dud. Let's say you. <laughs> I gave it one, too. <laughs> this thing sucked uh, all the ass. Oh, maybe Jeff slips on a couple of bucks. And Jeff, yeah, I think, hurt his shoulder. Well, I think Jeff hurt his shoulder halfway through this match, too. Oh, that's so. why it sucked. Okay. Yeah, that's that explains it all. I mean, if only he was at a hundred percent, we would get one hundred percent Jarrett. Because <laughs> you know, a hundred percent Jeff Jarrett is—it uh, still sucks. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, this was a thing during the show too. By the way, Lee Marshall would do interviews with the guys outside of the ring after the match. With that epic mullet, by the way, holy crap! Best. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Ah, he had an epic mullet. But the thing was, it kind of looked like a dog chewed it off. <laughs> I know. Like, it wasn't complete. That's what I said. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, who the hell cut your hair? Your wife? I, oh, in the dark? Kid. Yeah. Uh, my, my kid got a hold of some scissors, and, uh, well, here we go. Lee Marshall, yeah, anyway. Not great. <laughs> God. He interviews uh, Eric Embry outside of the ring, and uh, Embry says, title is back where it belongs. He says it sucks that Jeff may have hurt his shoulder during the match, and anytime he wants a rematch, he'll grant him one. Yeah, about that. God, man, I want that again. Yeah, maybe this time. 30-minute Iron Man next time, please. Well, hey, Greg, maybe next time they can push it to five minutes. Like a whole five. <laughs> wow. In the back, Larry Nelson is we'll standing serious, by. Folks. Yeah. Larry Nelson is standing by with a terrorist backstage or the Syrian terrorists or, you know, whatever. Uh, look, I said this to you in text, like, I was blown away. The terrorist is, like, one of the most absolutely stunningly beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. 
I've never seen her anywhere else, by the way. You figure she'd at least go on to model or something. I went to Wikipedia and she doesn't have a page, I don't believe so. Yeah, this was literally all she ever did. So I'm like, nobody picked you up for a modeling gig or anything? Like, Pow could not have been paying her that much money. Like, there's no way. It's not like she could retire off this. Oh, come on, dude. 50 bucks, that's enough. Good grief. Uh, Some some expired McDonald's coupons. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, dude. Give them the benefit. Maybe they were not expired yet. Jeez. Yeah. Well, you... Hey, you got to cash these in before the end of the year, all right? They're not technically expired yet, but, you know, you got to work fast. Nelson says that the lingerie street fight battle royal is happening because the terrorists destroyed Brandy May's cutoffs. I, I'm going to let that one sit for a minute. I don't even know what the hell that meant. That was Her cutoff jeans, like, no. oh, okay, for, for, for people that aren't white enough, you <laughs> buy... I'm not. <laughs> you buy jeans, and you cut them off to make them shorts. Because apparently... Or you, you can just buy shorts, but whatever. <laughs> no, Greg, that's not what white folks do. They must cut them off to have them frayed at the bottom, and they cut them off halfway <laughs> up their thigh. <laughs> so they make them that's really true, short they have to have the They have to have, like, the stuff, like... Uh, yeah, frayed, like you said. <laughs> it's got to yeah. look like that. <laughs> my, I've said this before, and you can tell by the name where this is going. My Uncle Bob has never wow. bought... Yeah, he's never bought a pair of jeans or jean shorts in his entire life, but he has a ton of jean shorts because he buys jeans and then cuts them off halfway up his thigh. Yeah, so this whole battle royal where if you win, you get 10 grand. This is all happening because the terrorists destroyed little Brandy Mae's shorts. I'm not joking. The terrorists okay, said that, first of all, it's Oh, wait, we're not there yet. Go. Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> the terrorists said that she's going to destroy everyone's clothes tonight. And talks about how hot she is. And it's just like, what the frick is going on? I started to see why they went under. <laughs> yeah. Well, up next we get Wayne Bloom taking on handsome Jimmy Valiant, who, I mean, not to judge, but I don't think he's very handsome. Uh, especially with that Yourself, tattooed headband please, but, uh, on. TJ's opinions don't necessarily, they're not indicative of both of our opinions. Just want to say that. Well, his nickname is also the Boogie Woogie Man. I actually have a Jax figure of him, by the way. Why? Because, I, I don't know, my dad brought him home one day. He's like, I bought you a wrestler. And I was like, the F is this? What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. I had to look him up, and I was like, oh, jokes. Yeah. This Why match, the hell do they make a figure of him? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't even have a good sarcastic response for that one. I just, I don't know. So this match, I'm not joking. This went for 24 seconds, bell to bell. Yep. Wayne Bloom is one of the future Beverly brothers, as we mentioned. Valiant a couple beats, of mullets, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Valiant beats the tar out of uh, Bloom with punches, nails a dancing elbow drop, and he pins him for the win. Me and Uncle Dave both gave this duds. What say you? Uh, it's like one star. <laughs> Wow, you gave it a star, huh? I, I'm not going to lie, okay? No joke, okay? I thought I accidentally skipped ahead. I'm like, what happened? So I rewound it. Or I just <laughs> hit the chapter, twice. I hit the chapter back button, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Gosh. what's that? Because I'm, I'm watching, I'm taking notes. So, you know, I look down, right. take a note, you know, and then I look up and then I see the, the Brandy interview and like, or Bambi, excuse me. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, yeah. Did I hit the button by accident? 
Right. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, supposedly, uh, Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man there, wasn't even supposed to be on his card. They just threw him on at the last second. And Wayne Bloom was, like, less than a year into his training. And I'm like, why? Just, like... To be fair, you couldn't even tell about Bloom because he didn't have any offense. I mean, at least give him a chance to suck. Right. And it's like, you're going to... If there's one person in the world you're going to give a squash match to, why is it the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant? Maybe, was he one of their stars? And I use that term loosely. I mean, he was like a novelty star kind of down in Memphis, I think. I, I mean, he toured the territories and had a few stints in the WWF with uh, Johnny Valiant, his uh, kayfabe brother. You remember Johnny Valiant? Uh, uh, yeah. Luscious. Yeah. yeah, poor poor you. Wait. I just got that luscious. Yeah. And, what's his name? Handsome. Handsome. Yeah. There was, there was an interview that together. Wow. Okay. There was an interview they did one time and where he was like, uh, you want to know why I'm handsome? Jimmy Valiant. And he's luscious. J- uh, Johnny Valiant, because he's luscious and I'm handsome. Oh, like, wow. I'm glad he pieced that together for us. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you for clearing it up. <laughs> Larry Nelson, as you mentioned, is standing backstage with David McLean and Bambi. David is apparently the promoter of P of uh, Pow. And he sounds David like he looks like looks they look like somebody you would see doing an interview backstage in WWE. Yeah, that's what I, I thought was it was that guy, I thought it was that guy Craig to George. I don't know if anyone remembers that guy. I don't. But he was he yeah. was on a couple of shows we've already done, or no, maybe he wasn't. Uh, he was one of the interviewers in the back though, and I, I thought, thought he, that was him. Well, I thought he looked and sounded like uh, used car salesman from the south. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Bambi said that she's coming for Peggy Lee Leather specifically after she broke a trophy over Bambi's head. Nelson cuts her off to tell her, we're out of time. We got to go back to the ring. Like, are you out of time, though? Peggy Lee Leather. Yeah. Peggy Lee Leather was almost coming out of her top throughout the entire Battle Royal, by the way, that we'll get to later. Uh, And that's not the one you wanted to see come out of her top. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but uh, I'm just I'm just laughing because like that match actually happened, right? Well, by the way, Bambi, you want to talk about mullets, man? Bambi, uh, that was what I was mullet. gonna. That's why I almost inter- interrupted you with earlier. I'm like, oh, before we get on, yeah, man, I'm like, I've never seen a woman with that kind of mullet ever. I have. Um, I don't want to talk about it though. <laughs> uh, we woke Bambi- up one night drunk, folks. Or, or one morning after being drunk. That's what it was. We'll leave it at that. Good Lord. Uh, Bambi was on the uh, fabulous Moolah episode of Dark Side of the Ring. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's another Dark Side of the Ring reference. God dang. Uh, This next up, man, was Iceman King Parsons defending the WCCW Texas heavyweight title against Brickhouse Brown. This went for five minutes, 41 seconds. Parsons looks absolutely freaking goofy as hell. He makes Coco beware. The most redundant statement goes to. Well, like I said, he makes Coco Beware look normal. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I just want to see that interaction where, like, Coco walks by him with his multicolored hair and his bright colored outfits with a bird on his shoulder. He stops. He looks over at Parsons, looks him up and down, goes, <laughs> and walks on. <laughs> uh, Dude, this said, hair, though, man, I just. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He he like shaved the center. of it. He had like a reverse mohawk, like, like hot. Hold on. Before you just go on. When you say shave, we mean like cue ball shaved. You gotta yeah. Keep, you got to make sure that's. Yeah. Well, like I said, he he did like the hawk haircut, like the reverse mohawk where he's got like two on either side and he shaves down the center and then he grew it out and like braided it on either side. 
And then he wore like uh, I know his name was Ice. Like I don't get the whole. What was his first name King? Because his oh. nick it was Iceman King Parsons. I'm like, it was a horrible name all the way around. He was actually a uh, in the Freebirds uh, down in WCCW. Technically, they called him the Blackbirds. Yeah, that yeah. went over real well. Yeah, I, I, I bet. Well, you can see, see a how... black guy wearing a Confederate flag. By the way, he can't make this up. Oh, did he? I... Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean. Who thought oh, that God. was a good idea? Apparently, Fritz von Erich. Uh, I believe that Brickhouse Brown is using duct tape for his wrist tape, by the way. I don't oh, know if you noticed that. Don't you have to be, like, super white to do that? Apparently not. Uh, Brown hits a flying body press for a pin, but Parsons gets his foot under the bottom rope. While Brown celebrates, thinking that he won, Iceman pulls something wrapped in tape out of his trunks, puts it on his fist, and he punches Brown in a way that the referee couldn't see. So this allows him to pin Brickhouse Brown for the win. Uncle Dave and I both gave this one and a half stars. What say you? Another star. We're going to yeah, break the two eventually. <laughs> yeah, this one sucked ass, man. Like, and what was it back in the day? You couldn't just have brass knuckles. You had to have something that you taped up. Because um, I think, if I remember correctly, who was it I was listening to? It was a shoot interview with somebody. Uh, it might have been Pritchard. Because they wanted to be able to call it for an object so they can say, oh, you don't know what it is. Because if it's brass knucks, because it was brass knucks, they have to call it brass knucks and it looks too violent. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Dude, kids watch this, though. I mean, you know, maybe nowadays a little bit more loose, but I, I completely understand it. So you. I don't know, like, okay, how can kids get their hands on brass knuckles? Not like they're laying around all over the place. And even then, it's like, so they're going to start taping stuff up around their hands instead, like a roll of quarters or something? Look, when we used to have our wrestling fit, uh, fed back in the day, yes, we did that. So I don't know about quarters, but <laughs> we did tape stuff up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But that was just weird. Uh, but... Lee Marshall interviews Iceman outside of the ring after the match. Parsons calls Brickhouse Brown Outhouse Brown, which made me chuckle. He tells Brown that he taught him only what he wanted him to know, but not everything. So I so was he his protege or something? Like they didn't really beat that home on commentary. Don't overthink it. But anyway, Larry Nelson's backstage again, standing by with Pocahontas and Brandy May. Real names. Brandy's I just I couldn't get over my wow. They really named uh, a Native American girl Pokemon. I mean, maybe she did herself. I don't want to assume, but wow. Well, my thing, <laughs> my thing is like, I, like if they wouldn't have told me, I wouldn't have went right to oh she's Native American. Like she looked mixed race or or Hispanic or something. Like I couldn't tell. But yeah. you know they make it very obvious with calling her Pocahontas and then putting her in something that looks like. She's going to be in the Broadway play of Pocahontas. <laughs> so, I don't know. But Brandy complains about the terrorists destroying her cutoff shorts because, god dang it. Uh, Pocahontas says that she's going to be war dancing all over the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and Racism's she will take, funny. Right. And she'll take home the $10,000 price. this was a good price. idea. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going with uh, that that David guy that we saw earlier that promotes POW. I mean, as bad as racism is now, I mean, my God, they're open and happy about it back then. 
my team, the Cleveland Indians, just had to drop the name Indians because of, you know, people well, complaining. Uh, it's, it's okay for a wrestling organization to put Pocahontas on a girl and tell her to war dance on people. That's okay. It was a different time, Greg. God dang it. <laughs> messed up, man. Just... Yeah. I mean, I'm not laughing at It's not funny, but it's like, wow, you let this through on your TV. Yeah, like, not well... only let it through, you, you put it through. <laughs> it didn't slip hey. out. It's not something that just happened. <laughs> 88 was a much different time, as we can see. I was four. I had no idea, so. <laughs> yep, right. Uh, but up next, we get a six-person mixed tag team match for the AWA Tag Team and Ladies Championships. Uh, so basically, uh, I mean, I'll get to the, the mess up here in a bit, but. I thought we were doing the whole show. <laughs> God. But the stipulation was that they put over on commentary was if one team wins, they get all the gold because it's, it's a male tag team and then a female singles wrestler. So if they win, they get the women's title and the tag titles. That's what they put over on commentary. Well, that was not what they set the match up for. It was whoever gets the pin gets that set of gold. So well, rules change. God dang it. Plans change, pal. But this Debacle went for 5 minutes, 43 seconds. It is a team of Bad Company, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka, uh, along with Medusa Michelli, taking on Top Gun, uh, the Top Guns, who was Ricky Dice and Derek Dukes, along with Wendy Richter. I was today years old when I knew Wendy Richter was in AWA in 88. That actually knew. Apparently she had a when huge falling out with Vince, so. Oh, this was, po okay, that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, after the Spider Lady incident, so... <laughs> I just... I didn't know she was an AWA. I have a Mattel figure of her. Oh, yeah, I almost bought that. I I passed it up that I didn't have the, the money at the time. But, uh, yeah, so... Paul Diamond is... Or, excuse me, uh, Bad Company is the future Orient Express in the WWF. Pat Tanaka is obviously Tanaka, and Pat um, Paul Diamond was, uh, what, Kato? Sato <laughs> or Kato? I think it was yeah. Sato. Either way. Uh, the, top gun, uh, the Top Guns... Uh, absolutely effing suck, by the way. Are we going to talk about the manager real quick, by the way? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Uh, I forgot to mention Bad Company and Medusa are with Diamond Dallas Page as their manager. Bad Company, so they didn't get trademark infringement, spelled bad with two Ds. But but DDP was wearing a Bad Company, like the band, t-shirt with one D. So I guess that's how they skirted it. <sighs> yeah, because didn't Bachelor USA shirts have two Ds too? Uh no, that one did not. No, because I mean, because nobody trademarked Bad Street, so except I feel like there were a couple of two Ds. Yeah, they might have it. Maybe they did two Ds to trademark that. Maybe Johnny B. Bad had two Ds too. That one I knew. Yeah, uh, but to finish the match, Medusa is. I mean, if people don't know, remember Medusa. She was. She's also a Lundra Blaze, whatever you want to call her. Uh, but to finish the match, Medusa holds Richter. Richter ducks and Paul Diamond sidekicks the crap out of Medusa, allowing Richter to pin her for the win. Uncle Dave said that this was a total disaster with everyone tripping over each other and Dice completely embarrassing himself. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> he he gave it a half a star. I gave it one star because I just, I don't know. What say you? I gave it one star. This sucked all the ass. And <laughs> 
he was completely right. That that uh, Ricky Dice, I was like, my gosh, I, no wonder I've never seen him ever again. <laughs> he whiffed everybody. He was falling over himself. I'm like, is this your first match, dude? Because God dang. Yeah, uh, but one of my notes too. I, I think you're probably coming to it. Was man, how 80s did Medusa look with that hair? <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Yeah, that outfit, that hair. She looked like girls just wanted to have fun, man. <laughs> Also, her Chiron, if you notice, said uh, former AWA champion, not women's champion. I thought that, just thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, I didn't even yeah. I didn't even notice that one. Yeah, she uh, this was during the time when she was doing AWA and she was doing uh, all Japan women's wrestling as well. And I think it was, it was her all Japan stuff that caught the eye of uh, people in the WWF. So that's why she eventually went there. Uh, but after the match, Medusa jumps Wendy Richter, but the I kept writing top guys by accident. Top guns. Uh, they were definitely not shh, top guys. Top guys. Shh, shh. They were the opposite of top guys. But the top guns grab Medusa and paddle her in the center of the ring. Talk about things that won't fly nowadays. Uh, Lee Marshall tries to interview her after this. And Medusa says that she never wanted or needed a man in her corner. Bad Company tells her off. And she slaps Pat Tanaka before storming off. Marshall asks DDP if Medusa is out of the diamond exchange, and DDP says, Medusa? I don't even know that bimbo. <laughs> she ah. flips on a roll on and just goes hardcore on him. Yeah. Well, gosh, I just... So much embarrassing crap on the show, man. Uh, Larry Nelson is backstage now with Carrie Von Erich and his little, dollar, little daughter, Holly. Uh, I, I thought it was Lacey, but apparently not. Uh, He's doing his best Ricky Steamboat impression, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, uh, quick, uh, you, you got a cute little kid, right? Put her on your knee. <laughs> Carrie says that he's here tonight to prove that there's only one world champion. He said there's only one Eiffel Tower and one Mona Lisa. And there can only be one world champion. Like, okay. And his uh, title looks like one of the future tag titles. I just forget which one. Uh, NWA, I yeah. believe. Or it kind of looked like the NWA tag yeah. title, but it was bigger. I thought it looked pretty sweet. But he said there's no possible way to have multiple world champions, so he's going to unite the belts tonight. Yeah. Championships, pal. Nope, they're belts. Tell well, Leon Ruff that. Gosh. You may uh, not even get that reference. Never mind. I, I barely know who Leon Ruff is. <laughs> well, when he won the North American title, he put it on his waist. And when he was on the top of the ramp, uh, Danny Priest holds his arm up, and the freaking belt falls to his feet. Still uh, strapped, course. by the way. And I think Triple H tweeted out, that's why it's not a belt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Leon Ruff, the guy who they accidentally called Leo Rush one time on commentary. Uh, Hands of Stone, Ronnie Garvin is up next, taking on Greg Gagne for the vacant AWA International Television title. Ooh, it's international television. This goes just shy of six minutes because reasons. Uh, This was a hard-hitting fight. They brawl outside, and Ganya throws Garvin into the ring post. Then he beats him into the ring before the 10 count for the win. After the bell sounds, Garvin runs into the ring and locks in a sleeper. But Ganya reverses it into a sleeper of his own. But Garvin gets free and takes off. Uncle Dave gave credit to Garvin for even showing up for this match. But he notes that Greg's time in the business is done. Yeah, didn't need a crystal ball for that one. Didn't even know why it began, but whatever. Yeah, you do. Look at his last name. Well, I mean, I know why, but uh, you know what I mean. (laughs) Uncle Dave gave this 
one star. I gave it two and a half. It was an average brawl. What say you? Hated it. Sucked. One star. Yeah, I you just... know, I, I start to see why Rick Blair was like, Ronnie Garvin was NWA champion. Why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say this. I always liked how he beat the crap out of everybody. I thought that was... I'm, I'm always entertained by a good-looking brawl. So I'll always give points for that. I always love a good-looking brawl, too, but... I said brawl, you moron. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought he had good fighting skill. Like I, I thought it looked like our legit fist fight. So, and his chops were real chops. So, I don't. Yeah, but no, he was not a star. Lee Marshall interviews the new international television champion Greg Gagne outside of the ring. Who I don't know how old Greg was here in '88. Couldn't have been that old. I was four. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know how old he was here in 88, but he looked like he was pushing 50. I, I don't know. He looked like he was getting ready for a pool party and he's about to get out and grill a mean burger for the family. <laughs> Ganya says that Garvin is one of the toughest wrestlers of all time. And whenever he wants another match, he's got it. Garvin keeps shouting that Greg stole the belt. Greg gets uh, the crowd booing at the end and, says that Garvin reminds him of the Chicago Bears, but tonight he was the Minnesota Vikings and he steamrolled the Bears. Ah, you know, that's good, because when you're the baby face in Chicago, you always want to crap on the local team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get it. He's a, he's a Vikings fan, but you don't crap on the local crowd and you're the baby face. <laughs> what the nice. hell, man? Maybe they'll endear me to them if I, if I take a huge dump on the Chicago Bears. Yes, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> They're hardcore about their uh, their teams in Chicago, too, so... Yeah, right. Uh, Larry Nelson is standing backstage with Jerry the King Lawler asking about his strategy. Lawler brings up Von Erich's motorcycle crash and said that he's not going to attack his injured leg because Kerry figured out a way to heal his leg to, uh, to 100%. Therefore, it's not vulnerable anymore. It's like... What? <laughs> I... <laughs> it's not vulnerable. It's not there. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm not going to attack his leg because I'd just be beating up on a prosthetic, and that's stupid. <laughs> it's just it's like this was like it's such a nonsensical, like, well, he he healed it. It's 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 not hurt anymore. So why would I attack it? Because he has a history of injuries. Like I, I, they do that all the time in wrestling. Well, he has a history of neck injuries, so he's going for the neck. Okay, but it's healed. Yeah, but it's a history of neck injuries. Like. No, it's heel. It's made of steel now. You can't hurt it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So don't attack that leg, damn it. But up next, we get the Lingerie Street Fight Battle Royal for $10,000. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> the participants are Bambi, Peggy Lee Leather, Lori Lynn, Brainy May, Malibu, real names, by the way, Nina, Pocahontas, Luna Vashon, and the terrorist. I, I just uh, this went for eight and a half minutes of pain. I said this was uh, embarrassing. This looked like a, a bar brawl or something in an all women's like an all women's strip club or something. And they were fighting over, you know, who gets the last guy. <laughs> this is like at a wedding where all the bridesmaids are fighting over who gets to take the best man home, or catches the bouquet, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that too. 
Like, I know I'm stealing a lot from him and bringing I, him up a lot today, but I've got to quote Jim Cornette again. This looked like a monkey humping a football. <sighs> I, said, I, I just don't want to sound misogynistic. It's not. It's just this is stupid. No, it sucked. <laughs> I said it was embarrassingly bad. I'm honestly shocked there weren't tons of wardrobe malfunctions. I, were you shocked about that? A little Still, bit. Yeah, because it looked like yeah. at least half of the half of these women were about to pop out at any minute. Not to put logic in this, by the way, either, but um, they clearly put on the graphic over the top rope, and quite a few people were eliminated, like between the ropes, under ropes, and whatnot. Oh, I so, didn't catch that part. I was you know. trying not to. <laughs> but it comes down to the terrorist, Brandy May, and Luna Vachon. Luna gets punched off the top rope to the outside to be eliminated. The commentary team claims that the crowd is chanting for Brandy May, but they're actually chanting, take it off, take it off. I'm like, how are they <laughs> chanting for Brandy May? They're chanting for somebody to get naked. <sighs> what was he just saying about bar brawls, by the way? <laughs> right. Uh, the terrorist finally throws Brandy May over the top rope for the win. Not one woman got stripped. Uncle Dave just goes off on David McLean, the, uh, the promoter, saying that he sounded, quote, like the Jim Baker of wrestling on commentary. And he said he thinks that glow and pow are embarrassments to the sport. I mean, I, I can't disagree with him here. If this is the representation, then yes. Yeah. The Jim Baker of wrestling. That one got me. <laughs> but, yeah, of course, the rules are you either have to be stripped to your lingerie or be thrown over the top rope. So not one woman is going to get stripped to her lingerie. Not one. Just, yeah, uh, I was depressed, too. Me and Uncle Dave both gave this a dud because this just was embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing what say you one star yeah yeah I, I we can't even make the whole thing whole thing sucked joke here because it just was worse than that uh lee marshall <laughs> interviews the terrorist outside the ring she shouts angrily in arabic shows off the check and storms off i had to give points for them actually having a check i you know that was yeah right <laughs> i mean i no a continuity okay you know yeah do you know who austin idol is i do I guess he won one of those battle royals one time. I can't remember what territory. I think it was uh, the Memphis territory. He won a, a battle royal for a $10,000 check and they gave him a, a check and it was like a, like a fake check or whatever. But um, he, he actually took it into the, like he wasn't going to wrestle there anymore. That was his last night in. So he went into the bank and cashed it legitimately and <laughs> took off. <laughs> wow. And yeah. got away. they cashed it. Yeah. Cause he walked in there like, Oh, uh, how do you get this? Ten thousand dollars. He's like, "Well, I'm Austin Idol, baby, and you see, I just won that battle royal. I, I won this check." And they're like, "Oh, so I'm sure it. the te- I'm sure the teller was watching." Yeah. Apparently, everybody in that town <laughs> freaking watched. It was the '80s, so yeah, or the '70s, maybe. I don't know. Either way, Larry Nelson is in the back. He's they, interviewing. Real quick, do they do they think, by the way, having a woman Syrian calling her the terrorist was a good thing too? By the way, I don't know if I said that, but it, it was the '80s, so yeah. <laughs> By the way, when I think of Syrian terrorists, I don't think of, like, one of the most beautiful women in the world that could be a legit model. <laughs> Just, so between whatever. that and Pocahontas, what was worse? I'm going to go with the overuse of the name The Terrorist in the 80s and early 90s. Because they slapped that name on quite a few people. The Terrorist. Just put some Arabic writing on a mask and throw them out there. Like, God dang, that's offensive. Larry Nelson is working his butt off to make uh, Pegas forget about that. At least give him credit for that. 
Right. No, I'm uh, serious. He's like, really, like, Siri is a good place. Stop judging for that. So, yeah. Well, uh, Larry Nelson interviews Peggy Lee Leather backstage, who says that he always gets gang or who says that she always gets ganged up on in battle royals. I mean, probably because you're the biggest woman out there. That's kind of what happens. But Luna then randomly runs in and shouts some gibberish in her Drano gargling voice. <laughs> what the hell? Not speak ill of the dead, but I couldn't. I can hardly understand what she's saying. She just runs in and talks like this. And then Medusa runs in, and uh, then Luna leaves the frame, comes back, and or no, I'm sorry, Medusa co- walks into the frame and puts a snake on Luna, and then walks off. I'm like, what the frick is going on here? <laughs> and then, and then Peggy again. Leaves I gotta and- ask, how did this company go out of, out of business? <laughs> When Peggy Lee says she wants a shot at Nina's title. Meanwhile, Luna's, yeah, look at my snake. I'm like, what Like, what am I watching? You chose this. I know. It's historic. Not for good reasons, but it's historic. It's historic something. Uh, Lee Marshall interviews Bill After from Pro Wrestling Illustrated at the ring, who says that he has a plaque to present to Jerry Lawler, quote, for not giving up after not winning the world title for 16 years and then finally winning the world he- the AWA world heavyweight title. Uh, they make Andre, a- huh? Yeah. They make a big announcement like Jerry Lawler is going to come out and accept this plaque, but he doesn't. And Lee Marshall says that Lawler is busy and he can't come out. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year. Yeah. Well, I, I just bring it to me. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw it in the pile with the other ones. Bill After, who I actually respect in the wrestling news industry, by the way, he wasn't because that's uh, what he is, is news. Yeah, he wasn't, uh, you know, fishing for stooges and crap like that so that he could throw out bogus clickbait bullcrap. But, you know, supposedly one of the main reasons Lawler never won the NWA title was because he never wanted to leave Memphis. He didn't want to be a traveling champion. So, and Memphis didn't want him to leave either because every time they didn't have him on the card, their houses were way down. So they just never gave him the belt. Which championship? That I mean, makes sense. I mean, Ric Flair did make a couple appearances in Memphis, but supposedly he didn't like Lawler for whatever reason. Maybe because Lawler was a teetotaler and and he was a. Because Lawler thought he was the. Well, that too. Maybe he thought Lawler was like he he thought he, thought he was a bigger star than. Everybody everywhere, and he yeah. wasn't in Memphis. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, Lawler was like legitimately like a god in Memphis. So the only yeah, person... I mean, I think he was like literally the king of Memphis for a long time. So yeah, oh yeah. Well, they said when he broke his leg and he was out of action for like a year, they they actually tried to rush him back because the houses were so cruddy without him on the card, and he hurt himself more and had to be out longer with a broken leg. So they and ended just up had him on themselves. the. They just had him on the car doing something non-physical. I know, right? It's like, don't put him in a match with a broken leg, dumbass. But we get Larry Nelson backstage interviewing Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter says that he's going to beat up Colonel De Beers in a boot camp match for America. It said America's hero, G.I. Joe, Sergeant Slaughter. I, yeah, I know. They <laughs> they pounded that home. This wasn't... Wasn't that the crooks of like him leaving WWF was because he wanted to do G.I. Joe and McMahon yeah. told him no? Yeah. Yeah. So they pounded that, that home. That would have been stupid, right? To have all that crossover. 
I know. Those yeah. toys were huge, like probably bigger than even LJNWE figures at the back at the day. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't don't do that though. That'd be stupid. Well, you look at all that stupid stuff. Like, I mean, the reason Hulk Hogan left or you know didn't stick around WWF back in the day was because Vince Senior told him he didn't want him doing uh, Rocky Three. So that's so he was like, well, bye. I I mean, I I think that worked out for him. I I could be wrong. He made a few bucks. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, and nobody ever heard of Thunderlips ever again. (laughs) In the flesh. (laughs) Right. Uh, But up next, we get, like I said, this is a second boot camp match of the week we're getting to. It was Colonel the Beers with Diamond Dallas Page in his corner taking on Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. For some reason, nobody recorded an actual time on this one. I guess it just happened. It sucked that bad, huh? <laughs> Slaughter put on his helmet, and he hit the beers with it uh, before locking in the Cobra Clutch for a submission victory. After the match, DDP waved to the back, and uh, Sheik Adnan Al-KC and the Iron Sheik both attacked Slaughter in the ring, and then randomly the Guerreros rush in to make the save and chase the heels off. All because when America's getting attacked, you got to call on Mexico. Yeah. Come on in, Guerreros. I just, that was a, a an odd choice, but all right, whatever. But uh, Uncle Dave called this, quote, totally heartless garbage and said that Slaughter was a shell of his former self. This was back in 88, by the way. He gave it negative one star. <laughs> I gave it two stars. I thought it was an okay garbage match. What say you? I gave it one because it was garbage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I thought Slaughter didn't look terrible in it. I mean, De Beers, sure, but I can't think of a time De Beers didn't look like garbage. <laughs> I thought Slaughter still had something. By the way, keep in mind, he's calling him a shell of his former self. This was, what, two years before he wins the title in WWE? <laughs> <Yep. laughs> and he headlines WrestleMania? <laughs> For God's sake. Yeah, you know what? He would never go on. Opinion. He would never go on to do anything else. He was done. We'd never hear from Sar- Sergeant Slaughter ever again. He was he was toast. By the way, he's going to headline WrestleMania Seven with Hulk Hogan as the world champion. I guess you could argue that that match wasn't great, and uh, Slaughter wasn't exactly known as a workhorse during that time. But still, it was WrestleMania. Lee Marshall interviews a bleeding Sergeant Slaughter outside of the ring. Slaughter says that. If the Iron Sheik wants another piece of him, he'll declare war on him anytime he wants. He then recites the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> for pandering purposes. <laughs> like he, he recites the whole Pledge of Allegiance while the crowd just joins in and, and Lee Marshall mouths it next to him. <laughs> <laughs> this was so awkward. Proud to be American. <laughs> God dang it. America. <laughs> Man. He had to compete with uh, Hogan over on the other channel. Larry Nelson is now backstage with Jerry Lawler and Bill After. Bill finally found him. <laughs> After finally presents that plaque to Jerry Lawler for Inspirational Wrestler of the Year. Lawler tells him, I'm not going to say I deserve it, but I deserve it. <laughs> so ever the humble guy. A little humble. <laughs> yeah. Lawler says that after winning two belts tonight, next year, he'll be the Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, about that. <laughs> I don't know who was the wrestler of 89, but I can guarantee Lawler wasn't in the top five. Or Steamboat, so. Yeah, well, PWI usually skewed towards the WWF, so 
I don't know. I'd have to. I don't feel like looking it up right now. But up next, you get the Macho Man, probably. <laughs> right. Uh, up next, we get the Samoan SWAT team, Samu and Fatu. They are the they are defending the WCCW World Tag Team Titles against. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. They got Freebird Buddy Roberts in their corner. By the way, I don't understand this feud. Freebird. Yeah, they're taking on Michael P.S. Hayes and Steve Cox. Oh hold, yeah, <laughs> hold, uh, hold for laughter. <laughs> I don't understand this feud. They got buddy. They got uh, Buddy Jack in their corner, and like Hayes is up with T, it was Steve Cox. It's like, what happened? Did Bam Bam take off to uh, Gordy? I mean, did he take off to H, like uh, All Japan at this point? Uh, wasn't he getting ready to team with Doctor Death? I mean, it would be better than this. Uh, this went just shy of eight minutes. In the end, Cox and Samu haha, spill outside of the ring, distracting the ref, while Michael Hayes hits Fatu with a DDT inside of the ring and pins him. But Buddy Roberts runs in, and he nails Michael Hayes in the back of the head with what was apparently a chain around his fist. I, they didn't, like, I could not tell what the hell it was. Commentary had to tell me. And he rolls Fatu onto Hayes for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave said that these teams have worked together a million times, so they've had a lot of practice. He says this is the second best match on the show. He gave it two and three, four stars. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? To my first two star match, actually, for this event. I mean, was he right about second fun. best on the show? Maybe. Yeah. I, I, yeah just, I mean, my, my first note was like, my, my God, man, that's like, as much as I love Rikishi, man, he's been everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, he was one of the original wrestling whores. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know. This this was not good. Bad. Bad. Not good. Worst ever. Okay, maybe not the worst ever, but... By the way, the... Uh, got some garbage coming up, man. By the way, uh, wouldn't you know who won the pony? Uh, the wrestler, PWI Wrestler of the Year 1989 was Ric Flair. So, right. you were right. That was his fifth time, by the way. He won Wrestler of the Year in 81, 84, 85, 86, and 89, and then again in 92. My word. So The Wrestler of the Year in 88 was Randy Savage. No surprise there. Yeah. Moving on, backstage, Larry Nelson is interviewing Sheik Adnan LKC <laughs> and the Iron Sheik. I can barely understand anything they're saying, and they eventually get cut off and we go back to the ring, mercifully. And that yeah. is um, Colonel Mustafa. But... Ah, that makes sense. Apparently, he was a legit, like, schoolhood f- friend or childhood friend of uh, Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was legit. Oh, man. Quickly moving on past that. Uh, we get the Raging Oh, come Bull. on. <laughs> we get the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez versus Chief Wahoo McDaniel in an Indian strap match. This went just shy of eight minutes. Before the match, uh, IWGP heavyweight champion Tatsumi Fujinami is out to wave to the crowd. They just they called him uh, Dragon Fujinami, which was his nickname. But uh, I believe the thing the the title the Chiron said Mister Fujinami too. <laughs> <laughs> but Nandy Fernandez says that he chased him around the world before he uh, ends up shoving him, and Fujinami then grabs Manny and holds him for Wahoo to chop him. We then get the match. Wahoo McDaniels get busted open. 
when Manny wraps the strap around his fist and punches him repeatedly. Wahoo busts Fernandez open next. They're bleeding like stuck pigs. Wahoo McDaniels ends up getting a win. Uncle Dave calls this, quote, a throwback to 1984 and should have stayed there. He, he gave it a half throwback, a star. A throwback to four years ago. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, he, that makes no sense to me, but okay. He gave it uh, four, or I'm sorry, he gave it half a star. I gave it two and a half stars. I thought it was a fun average match. What say you? One star sucked. <laughs> man, you're just, you're just a hater today, man. Hey, I gave a two star earlier. Okay, I met my quota. Yeah, to Steve Cox. I, I just didn't agree with you know Japan and Native Americans beating up the white man. <laughs> uh, Manny Fernandez is one thousand percent not white. Oh, he looked white. That's what. <laughs> you didn't get Rage, a tan on. <laughs> Raging Bull. That was uh, one word away from what uh, uh, Joel Gertner's nickname would be a few years later. Wow. wow. Sweet mullet, though. <laughs> yeah. After the match, meaning Fernandez. Also, by the jumped... way, real quick, did you notice like his tights were falling off? Was where's tights falling off? Were they part black on top? Uh, they were black on top. Okay, I thought they were falling off. Okay. Nah, it yeah, looked like had... he was exposed his underwear or something the whole match. <laughs> yeah, he had uh, two tone tights. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Just the way it was was weird though, because like it was at an angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, after the match, Manny Fernandez jumps Wahoo McDaniel and beats him down until T- uh, Tatsubi Fujinami runs in and beats Manny up, sending him to the back. Lee Marshall interviews Wahoo about never losing an Indian strap match, which, by the way, you couldn't call it an Indian strap match in 2020. It would have to be a uh, an indigenous people strap match. Oh, man. <laughs> by the way, real quick, show of hands, who's surprised they didn't put Pocahontas with him? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know if Pocahontas, I mean, Pocahontas might have been legit. I don't know. But Wahoo was like a legit Native American, very proud of it. So I don't think he tried to make a gimmick out of it as much as it was just him. But Wahoo says that he doesn't think his feud with Manny Fernandez will ever be settled, except maybe out behind the building with a gun in Wahoo's hand. Wahoo literally ends the interview by saying he wants Manny Fernandez dead. (laughs) My God. Okay. What the hell? First, first of all, I think he misses Q because they had to go get him. Did you catch that part? No, I think so. Yeah, he was like in the back. Someone had to go get him. Yeah. And after the interview, I'm like, maybe they should just let him not have the interview. Yeah, he literally said he wanted to shoot him in the back of the building. Like, what the frick, man? So much wrong with. Well, this. to be fair, nobody bought this, so you know, nobody heard it. So, wow. But Larry Nelson is backstage now with Vern Gagne, president of the AWA, and Stanley Blackburn, president of the NWA. Vern says that the last match should have been stopped before it was and because of all the blood and whatnot. I mean, it probably should have just been stopped early for other reasons, but should have never happened. But, <laughs> uh, but then he says that he doesn't have any predictions for the world title unification match. He wants to, you know, just... Keep it, keep it to himself. And then Blackburn says that it's a flip of a coin, but he's pulling for Kerry since they're both from Texas. All righty. This was wasted screen time, if you ask me. Before the match, uh, next match, Jerry Lawler talks on the mic. He's in the ring. He grabs a mic and he tells the crowd that there should only be one world champion. Even though there's a lot of fans that love Kerry Von Erich tonight, he's going to beat Kerry Von Erich. Kerry comes out 
and tells Lawler that he's going to beat him from one side of Chicago to the other. I, I Cool. I mean, neither one of these promos really did anything for me. I was just like, all right. I, I like it. They, they happened. That's it. <laughs> the only reason these happened, I think, is to pound home that Lawler was going to be the heel in this match. Which, he's going to be a heel. Which confused me because he's the AWA champion. This is an AWA event. They're in AWA territory. They get the the guy from down south from the other company to come in, but he's the babyface. Like, why? Because logic, pal. Lawler has been a babyface up until this point, but they need him to be the heel to take on the guy coming in from the other company? What? <laughs> Whatever. You're overthinking this way too much. That just never made sense to me. It was stupid. But this is a uh, Jerry. Is this the whole King event Lawler. stupid? I, I mean, you got a point. So, so it's consistency. It's continuity. So what's the problem? Jerry the King Lawler uh, took on the modern day warrior, Carrie Von Eric in our main event. It was the AWA and was WC. It? Say what? Was it the main event? Oh, oh it was not the main event. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting. It should have been the main no, event. You would, you would think it would be. Yeah. Huh? I mean, with the amount of people pouring out of the arena after this match, you would think it was. <laughs> but it was a title unification match before the AWA and WCWA World Heavyweight titles. They went for 18 minutes, 53 seconds. <sighs> From before the bell even rang, you can see Kerry constantly checking his left bicep. That's because he was effing around backstage and accidentally sliced himself open with his own blade. Mm. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Look, not to speak ill of the dead, but nobody ever, you know, accused Kerry Von Erich of being a smart man. Uh, and Lawler bit. doing with the blade? Uh, well, I mean, he had to, he was getting his blade ready uh, for his match, and I guess he had it in his hand, and he oh, like. Oh, I to, thought you meant like a knife blade. <laughs> no, 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 like a, to blade himself. Uh, he, he had his razor blade. And he like went to scratch his arm or something and forgot he had his blade in his hand and just sliced himself open. Oh, whoa, whoa. What's, that happens to all of us. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. We forget. Give me yeah. one wrestler that hasn't happened to. Come on. <laughs> God. Uh, according to shoot interviews with Jerry Lawler, he was pretty pissed about this. And he was like, God dang it. He's like, but I will say, because of this, Lawler works his arm throughout the beginning of the match, beats the crap out of it, and he makes it seem like he cut his arm open, even though Kerry keeps checking it. Like from like I said, before the bell even rings, he's sitting there constantly messing with his arm, showing that he already has an issue with it. So he kind of ruined the illusion. But <laughs> Lawler works it, and he tries to work it in the match. So I, I think it was, you know... Work uh, the arm! God. But I think this was smart. For what it's worth, not, it worked, because I didn't even know that, so... Right, yeah. Uh, not to pull a Jim Cornette here. Again. <laughs> but... Waller is just so damn good and underappreciated. Like I went back and watched a lot of his old stuff from the eighties. He's like, he's, I mean, he's not Ric Flair, but I mean, he's really good. And I said, this match had to squeeze in a ref bump, tons of blood, etc. Waller, uh, gets behind the referee's back. He keeps punching Kerry with brass knuckles, but they might not be brass knuckles or just something wrapped up in tape or an object, <laughs> pal. Yeah. God dang it. He keeps punching him with it over and over because this referee is blind. 
and Lawler is apparently smarter than all of us. And he busts him wide open. He even does a thing where, like, the referee's going to come check on him. So he puts his hands up behind behind his head, and he pulls the foreign object out of his tights just in time, puts them behind his head so the referee can't see him. It was, I mean, it was some pretty good stuff, I will admit. Good heel work from uh, the king. But uh, Kerry bleeds a freaking gusher here, man. It's like Niagara Falls. Kerry works the crap out of that iron claw hold. Finally, in mid-claw hold, the referee calls for the bell, awarding the match to Jerry Lawler due to excessive blood loss by Kerry Von Erich. Because you can't put Lawler over clean. My, <laughs> my God, that might take some steam off of Von Erich. <sighs> man. But with all that being said, Uncle Dave gave this three and three four stars. I actually gave it three and a half stars. This is, I've always loved this match. What say you? I gave it three. I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've seen it multiple times and I still didn't get bored with it. So I, I appreciated it. Uh, but after the match, Frank uh, Dusick, which is the uh, apparently the figurehead of WCCW, argues with the referee and uh, he complains a lot. Kerry Von Erich grabs both title belts, and he poses with them, and then he leaves. Lawler wakes up, and he asks, what just happened? And the referee holds his hand up in victory. <sighs> Supposedly, both guys were promised the title before the day of the show, and then Vern double-crossed Kerry the day of. No! Hmm, hard to see why he's out of there very soon. <laughs> yeah, but that, that wouldn't happen! <laughs> Never in the history of pro wrestling as a promoter lied to a wrestler, I believe. Yeah, especially Vern Gagne. I mean, he was always on the up and up. <laughs> the guy that just not too far before this, he said that, uh, you know, he thinks Bruiser Brody probably got what he deserved. He seemed like a stand-up gentleman. Holy, holy crap, you said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Even joking, he said this in an interview. We talked about it on a previous podcast, but so go ahead, go ahead, leave. I got my, I got Greg on you waiting. He's going to be a major star. We don't need Carrie. Yeah, look who we got waiting in the wings: Greg Gagne, Larry Zabisco. I mean, f you, man. I mean, I like uh, that, uh, that guy, that guy Gino probably would have been a good one. Had, you know. Gino Hernandez. Yeah. Well, well, he was WCCW, but yeah. I'm sure they would have all been there at one point. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if, uh, Ganya would have wanted to inject more. I probably should have came up with a better term for that, but, uh, put more drug users in his, in his locker room than he already had. It's the eighties. Dude, everyone was a drug user. Except for Jerry Lawler. Apparently he, like I said, he was a teetotaler. Uh, but we Marshall interviews Jerry Lawler after the match. And Lawler says that he has all the respect in the world for Kerry Von Erich. And what a terrible shame it would have been for him to lose his eyesight. So the referee saved his sight by stopping the match. Now Dusty Rhodes like, hey, I almost lost my eyesight, Daddy. He drew a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, over in Jim Crockett Promotions, Dusty Rhodes sitting there. Hey, Daddy, I lost my eyesight. Ain't nothing wrong with me, Daddy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to lose my eyesight in this one. That's for somebody else, man. <laughs> that's for Cameron Von Eric, baby. We're going to leave me right where I'm at. <laughs> Larry Nelson is standing backstage with Kerry Von Erich, who's wiping blood off of his face. But, like, every time he wipes blood off of his face, it's like, uh, it's not really helping. Kerry <laughs> uh, says that he's never heard of a match ever before being stopped over blood loss. Really? Never? He's like, we don't do that down in Texas. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe not because in Texas. Because if you don't, you'll put 
Can you kill my wife? Oh man. Well, yeah, yeah. We we don't do that in Texas. I don't know how you do it up here in America, but we do that. We don't do that down in Texas. <laughs> uh, NWA President Stanley Blackburn defends the referee's decision and says that there will be a rematch. Well, yeah, about, about that. that. <laughs> Uh, maybe not. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. But now, now that that's done, man, we can go to the real main event of the night. I wish I were making that up. We have the stud stable, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, who would go on to be, uh, well, what wasn't he? Uh, I mean, he was Tennessee Lee, but what was he in WCW? Rob he Parker, was right? Colonel Rob Parker. Yeah. And he Colonel also Robert had Parker. a stud stable there. <laughs> yeah, he held on to that forever. He was uh, Colonel Robert Parker and... Uh, who the hell is Jimmy Golden? Um, Bunkhouse Buck. Bunkhouse Buck. Yeah. Um, I want to share something with you. Ever since I was a kid, when I heard Stud Stable, I thought they were like supposed to be good-looking guys, not <laughs> like the other kind of stud. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Robert Fuller was the Tennessee stud. So. But uh, they took on the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. This was one of the only times in my life I didn't care to see the rock and roll in the ring. Oh, come on, but, dude. The stud was amazing. This was like a quality match, dude. Yeah. Fun fact. Sure. I think he would also manage Mike Enos uh, when he was the, the mauler, I believe. Oh, so, yay. So he's <laughs> yeah, all over this. Man, it's a lot of crap. <laughs> this went for about seven minutes. The blonde woman at ringside with the stud stable. Was that precious, by the way? The, I don't know. I, I no, I don't think it was. He called her something else, but I couldn't catch her name. But yeah, the blonde woman that the stud stable had with them beats up Robert Gibson with a kendo stick outside at one point. Just freaking lays into him. I was like, that's hella random. She just pulls a kendo stick out. <laughs> but it seems like Gibson and Morton switched spots in the match because uh, it's actually like Gibson getting the crap beat out of him and Morton gets the hot tag. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally, the referee throws the match out when he loses control, and the Rock and Roll Express chase the stud stable to the back with a chair. Supposedly, this match was going to be for the AWA tag titles, but they never got around to putting the titles on the Rock and Roll. Oh, uh, man. 
my God. Uncle Dave said that there was absolutely no reason for this finish other than that they were running out of time and the crowd was all leaving. <laughs> There's so no reason for this home. match, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, you could have at least had a damn clean pin. For God's sake. He didn't even rate this thing. I gave it one star. What say you? Gets the one. Yeah, this sucked. So much ass. But we're not done. Lee Marshall interviews the Rock and Roll Express about them wanting to be the AWA Tag Team Champions. Who would ever want that in 88? Ricky Morton talks for the team and says that they'll do whatever it takes to be champions. Backstage, Larry Nelson interviews a stud stable. Jimmy Golden says that he's not sure why the referee stopped the match, and he wants to beat up the Rock and Roll Express. Robert Fuller says that he's not impressed by Chicago, because... You got a jackhammer that in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is there to be impressed about with Chicago? Yeah. No disrespect. I'm like, I'm not impressed with it. Like, what did you think you were going to get? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, I mean, there's the Sears Tower. There's the pier. I mean, you're not going to want to go to the pier in December. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Uh, in 88? Yeah. Well, I, 83 I was drafted, right? 83, 84? No, oh, I don't remember. But back in the ring, Lee Marshall interviews Vern Gagne, who says that it was a great night. Was it, though? And he recaps the world title match by pointing out the obvious about how each man feels about the stoppage. And I'm like, why was, like, why did you have to stretch this? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. Here we go. To be fair, they thought they were going to rebound and do something else with it. Okay, to be fair. Yeah, but they were stretching the hell out of this. I was like, who cares? Jerry Jarrett is having uh, a new undisputed title belt made, but Vern Gagne has already declared that he wants to keep his own AWA champion. So, in fact, he, quote, unification only lasted for about a week before before Vern split them up again. (sighs) And look, I know I've trashed the WWE for making stipulations meaningless, but my God, like, you want to talk about meaningless stipulations. Like, the whole buildup to this was all oh, big title unification, and then they unify him, and they're like, ah, just kidding. <laughs> Psychic. Yeah, what the hell? And they didn't even get a clean finish. But all right, that's the end of the, the show. I, again, not to, be re- not to be redundant or you know repetitive, excuse me. Why did this company go under? Why did these companies go under? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take our final break of the podcast, and God dang, we're going to come back with the final ratings of the show. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle? Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back. It's Merry Christmas, y'all. Final ratings of the show. And I'm going to hit you with some shockers right here, Greg. Uh, the show is poorly I don't received. Think you could, I don't think you could do that anymore. <laughs> the show is poorly received by or not a financial success. And soon after, the WCWA was bought out by Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett and merged with the CWA to become the United States Wrestling Association, USWA. Uh, oh. I, hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know, man. I was blown away that this was not well received or a financial success <laughs> i'm like what look How? i will i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like the fact that it wasn't a financial success is a little shocking because people were loyal so at yeah. least i feel like it showed even if it sucked like after this but i don't know the awa and the uh which we call it uh well even wcw wccw and even uh, UWF all proved that just because you book a big building in a big city and you put a lot of hype around something doesn't mean it's going to be a success. Well, at the end <laughs> like, of the night, hope didn't pose. So there yeah, you go. This was blah. I like how Vern was always like hesitant to put his world title on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, whatever. Anyway, Uncle Dick. It's, it's Uncle... almost like a Stone Cold Steve Austin type thing. I didn't know yeah. what you had. <laughs> oh, I never want to put him in my main event. Like, dude, even a stunning Steve, I thought he was damn good. Like, I don't know how you couldn't have booked him as a main eventer, especially in that time period. Like, yeah. for God's sake, he would have fit right in. But Uncle Dave feels like it was a noble attempt to prove that they were still something of a major league, but Vern was just way above his pay grade on this one. Bad announcing, bad production, bad matches, heartless crowd, empty building, you name it. He says that the main event saved it from being the worst show of the year. I think he means the next main event. Uh, but it saved it, just saved it from being the worst show of the year, at least. The building, okay, I'm going to stop right there with this review. What was the worst show of the year in his I opinion, then? I swear I was going to stop you and ask you that. Yeah, what year was, is it? 88? Yeah, 88. Uh, Starcade? I, I mean, I don't know, maybe Starcade sucked, I don't know, but... Starcade was better than was, garbage. 4 wasn't that bad. Royal well, Rumble was... It might have been Royal Rumble. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, I mean, you, I think you and I differ on this one. But I think WrestleMania 4 was crap. But I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it, it's not good. But when you look at the fact that it's got a 16-man tournament, so... Yeah, well, that just set it up for being crap. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, worst major wrestling show, uh, according to Dave Meltzer. He doesn't even go back to 88. So his first one, he started doing that in 89, and he said WrestleMania five was the worst major show of the year. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't I don't know what competition it had other than Starcade, and Starcade 89 wasn't anything to write home about, I don't think. So I, I don't know, whatever. But I don't know what the competition was, people. So if anybody can, you know... Get, help us out here. 
But at the end of this, he says, the building had less than 1,700 paid with 3,000 freebies given out to almost none of them actually showing up. <laughs> they want to go to a free show. You're oh. given free tickets to a, to a big wrestling show and you still blow it off. You're like, ah, I got to wash my hair that night. That would be my excuse. But IMDb rated this 6 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 4.71 out of 10. I give it 5.5 out of 10. What say you? F. Yeah. So what a 5? 5.5? If that. Yeah. I give it 5. It was brutal. Yeah, this, this really was not good. Uh, like I said, I'd never seen this whole show before, so this was an experience. It was on the WWE Network, so I don't know. I just I, I wanted to see it at least once. So and now I never want to see an AWA show again. Uh, I mean, I might dig up an AWA event, you know, from in the past that might have actually been good, you know, or had potential to be good. But nothing from this time period. Would be good is what you, is what this whole card was right here. Yeah, but Super Clash was just always plagued with garbage. Like is like I said, starting right out. And correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that their big show? Yeah, yeah, it was. But this was, like I said from the beginning, like where you know where could they have gone wrong? You know, all these promoters and all these different promotions and all these different personalities getting together and trying to decide whose talent would beat who. Like that, that can never go wrong. Well, next week, ladies and gents, on December 30th, we've got WCW Starcade 2000 to close out the year. We always want to close out with a show from WCW 2000. Right? You'd be surprised with some of my opinions on this, actually, but we'll save that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. We've actually got some 2000 coming up that we'll get to. Uh, also, we got our Main Event Figure Federation pay-per-views this Sunday. Two days from now, we will be dropping the podcast for uh, Igni- or, uh, excuse me, Indestructible for Overdrive and Winter Jam for Jacked. That will all be on one podcast this Sunday. I know yeah, live a, performance, by the way. Yeah. I know there's a lot of audio dropping on this channel this week and next, but I hope you all can catch up with it. Some people have some time off and, you know, others work from home and stuff like that. So check it out. Uh, I hope you. I think you just described you and I. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. uh, Like I said, here on this channel or for this show, we are closing out the year. Uh, Bye bye 2020. F off. No one will ever miss you ever. It's, uh, hey, and with the vaccine being out, maybe the turn of the year will be good after all. So hey. yeah, may- maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I'm gonna wait a little while to see if it, I am Legends, everybody. But uh, I went, I went Walking Dead, but you know, close enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, something like that. But we've got a lot of fun stuff coming down the pike. Good stuff, pal. And uh, if you haven't caught up already, last week we covered Degeneration X in your house. Go check that out. Or actually, this week we covered it. And uh, anyway, thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas to everybody, and we will see you next week. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a happy new year. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. 
Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.